And it is true, it's just like Jesus to roll the clouds away. And uh, I'm so grateful he's taken our sins away. And one day we're going to be with him in all his glory and splendour. And what a joy that's going to be. Uh, well, we've certainly, uh, if you turn on the uh, Google News or if you turn on the tape, what we all that sort of thing, you're certainly going to get an awful lot of bad news out there. So I thought tonight what we might do is actually have a little bit of some good news from God's Word to actually encourage us and to uh, strengthen us about this wonderful God that we serve and uh, obey every day. So uh, I've got a little question. Uh, what do you think uh, are today's seven wonders of the world? Anybody got any idea? No? Not too sure? That's okay. Well, it's interesting because back in 2001, it was around about 20 years ago, uh, there was actually an initiative uh, that was started by the Swiss corporation to actually establish the new seven wonders of the world. And, of course, they uh, took about six years to do this. There was 200 existing monuments that they had to actually go through and pick seven out of them. And uh, in 2007, the results actually were in. Let me just turn this, uh, turn this on. And, of course, we'll start looking at some of these monuments. Now, the first one, of course, was the... Oops, sorry. The first one was the Great Wall of China. The second one was Petra. The third one, of course, is Christ the... Petra, that's right. The third one is Christ the Redeemer statue. The fourth was Machu Picchu. The fifth was the Chicken Itza in Mexico. The, fifth, uh, the sixth was the Colosseum in Rome. And the seventh, of course, was the Taj Mahal in India. And, of course, the, we thought that they... You'd think that they would stop there, but, of course, they did have to have an honorary candidate, and the honorary candidate, of course, was the Great Pyramid of Giza in Egypt. Now, amazing as all these wonderful structures are, one of the things that we have to say about these is that none whatsoever of these can actually compare with the splendour of God's creation that we see around us. Is that true? Amen. That's right. Because God, our God that we serve, is truly a God of wonders. And uh, that's what we're going to actually talk about a little bit tonight. We're actually going to look right through Scripture. We're uh, going to take a rather quick journey through Scripture and we're going to see how all of creation actually reveals the awesome, omnipotent God that we actually serve. That's got to be good news. Agreed? Absolutely fantastic. So strap yourself in, folks. We're certainly going to be uh, going at a fairly fast pace tonight. Uh, and, uh, but what we'd like to do, first of all, is actually just turn in our Bibles, if you've got them there with you, and hopefully you have, uh, to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 20. And we're going to read from that. Um, and uh, that is actually our main text for the night. There is a whole lot of other passages that we'll be uh, quickly looking at as we go through. But this is our main text. Okay, everybody got it? For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So simply put, the invisible things of God, that's the invisible attributes of God, can be clearly seen in the creation that we have around us. And therefore, man is literally without an excuse and, uh, and so on. So 
What we'd like to do now is just simply pray and just ask the Lord to guide us through this uh, section. So uh, if you don't mind, just bow your heads with me and we'll just pray and ask the Lord's blessing on tonight. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can spend together in your word. And Father, we just thank you that it illumines our hearts. Lord, it is your true living word from cover to cover. There is not one false word in it, Lord God. And Father, we thank you so much that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we pray that tonight as we go through these num- a number of different passages and as we look into how you are a wonderful God of wonders, Lord, help us to understand and to take in what you are saying to us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what does it mean when, it, when Paul said the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made? Well, it's the, through creation that we actually get a glimpse of God's power, his majesty, his wisdom and his love and also his actual care for us. The invisible things of God, that is God's attributes, as I said, are all around us in the very nature that we observe on a daily basis. So I've broken this down into a couple of different, what we call a couple of different revelations. And the first one is that the creation literally reveals God's power. And if we are to understand how God's creation reveals his power, firstly, we must believe that for creation to exist, there must be a creator. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Genesis 1 verse 1 says and declares, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The verse is a clear declaration that God himself who existed before the foundations of the world were formed is the one by which all things had their being in the very beginning. Without getting too technical, God himself is the one through which time and space as we now know it actually had its beginning. And prior to this, of course, as we all know, there was no time nor space. So it's a bit hard for us to understand because we're actually living in time and space. But before the creation, there was no time and space. Prior, to, uh, King David declares, for example, in Psalm 90 verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth or even though hadst formed the earth, and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou... So, how is God's power existed prior to everything that we actually see around us? So, how is God's power, that's his omnipotence, uh, seen in creation? Well, I picked a couple of things that could be worth, definitely worth looking at. And the first one, of course, is thunderstorms. Now, it's interesting to note that with thunderstorms, the average thunderstorm, believe it or not, pours down the equivalent of an amount of water that flows over Niagara Falls every six minutes. Hard to imagine, hey, but that, that actually does happen. The same storm delivers 10 million kilowatts of hour, kilowatt, kilowatt hours of energy equivalent to a 20-ton nuclear warhead. That's one storm. A severe thunderstorm delivers over 100 times this amount. And each year, there is something like 16 million thunderstorms occur throughout the world. Lightning itself puts together two gases. You may be familiar with this, those of you who understand a little bit of science. These gases are nitrogen and hydrogen, and these two combined actually make fertiliser. Interesting. When lightning strikes, it releases into the atmosphere nitrogen, which mixes with the hydrogen in the raindrops, and in turn, this literally fertilises the ground. Have a think about that every time you see the rain falling outside. 
That's why you, you, when you actually water the ground with water from your tank, you're actually watering it with fertiliser in it. It's, it's wonderful. Okay, now let's just go a little bit further out and uh, look at the heavens. Now, David himself, when he uh, uh, said in the Psalms, he said in Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. Now, that is actually a picture of the seahorse nebula. Uh, which is just absolutely beautiful. So when you look at that, you can literally see the majesty and glory of God in creation. Now, uh, if we look a little bit further, we can actually see that the sun itself uh, is another example of God's wonderful creation. Uh, but it's interesting to note that the sun, believe it or not, at its core is actually 14,999,000 982 degrees Celsius. Not exactly the place you'd want to uh, have a summer holiday. Um, and it gives off more energy in one second than all of mankind since Adam and Eve. Yet because the sun is exactly 93 million miles away from Earth, it is in just the right spot to provide with, uh, Earth with life-giving warmth and light. If it was one centimetre closer, we would literally burn up. If it was one centimetre further away, we would all freeze and the whole earth would, earth would be frozen. The sun itself is so large that 1,300,000 planet Earths can actually fit inside the sun. Pretty incredible. Yet the sun, as big as it is, is dwarfed by the star known as Betelgeuse, which is around 700 times bigger than the sun itself. Uh, if you have a look at the little dot just on the, uh, on the side there, that's the sun, and then the other one is actually Betelgeuse itself. So uh, it's, it's absolutely incredible. So let's go a little bit further out, and uh, we'll take a look at the universe itself. King David speaks many times of the vast universe we see and that which we cannot see. In this we glean an understanding of God's awesome majesty and power. In fact, uh, David himself said, He telleth the number of stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power his understanding is infinite. If we look at our own galaxy the Milky Way, we see over 100 billion stars. You can't see that with your naked eye, of course. You can see it with a telescope. But beyond this is deep space. And in the past, astronomers believed that there were more than 100 billion more galaxies. Now, however, there the belief is that in the realms of deep space, there are actually taking, uh, in the, talking in the vicinity of two trillion galaxies. Blows the mind a little bit, doesn't it, when you think about it? Think for a moment about the amount of energy and power involved here, yet all this was, just, was created by God's word and they are all together by, uh, put together by his will and his power Yet, the interesting thing is that it's summed up in Genesis by the, these words, he made the stars also. Just that one brief statement is what is used to describe what God has done. 
How else are the invisible things of God revealed through creation? Well, the second revelation I looked at was the uh, one uh, where creation reveals God's wisdom, beauty, love and care. And there are a number number of things that we want to have a look at here. The first, of course, uh, is think about the insects, the tiny little bee. Dave, you might be quite familiar with this one, Uh, indeed. Uh, Each one God has endowed with unique, ingenious abilities that far surpass anything that man has made. Did you know, for example, that the honeybee is the only insect in the world that produces food eaten by man? In fact, the honeybee is the only food that includes all the substances necessary to sustain life, including enzymes, vitamins, minerals and water, and it's the only food that contains a, a thing called pinocembrin, an, an antioxidant, and it's associated with improved brain function. So there you go. You can eat a lot more honey because it's good for you. Indeed. The, 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 it's interesting to note that the sense of smell is so precise in a bee that it can differentiate hundreds of different floral varieties and tell whether a flower carried pollen or nectar from metres away. The hive, of, uh, one hive of bees will literally fly over 90,000 miles. That's the equivalent of three orbits around the earth to collect one kilo of honey. Pretty amazing. As the psalmist said in Psalm 104, verse 24, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. Now, another little example I wanted to have a look at is the simple snowflake. It's interesting because when you actually look at the amount of snow, for example, Julie and I were travelling through into a place called Jackson Hole, and on both sides of the road there was about six foot of snow on each side of the road. It was just piled absolutely so high, and there would have been millions upon trillions of snowflakes that actually made up those piles of snow on on each side of the road. Interesting factor, though, every single one of those trillions of of snowflakes is uniquely different. Not one snowflake is exactly the same. And think of, as I said, think of the trillions of snowflakes that actually fall, and yet not one is the same. Now, the interesting thing when we actually look at that in comparison to man as well, it's interesting to note that just as God created every snowflake or snow crystal to be uniquely different, he has also created every single individual to be different. We are all different in our own right. And this, of course, without doubt, shows the unmistakable mark of God's care. And let's go one step further. Let's just have a look at uh, our DNA. In Psalm 139, verse 14, David says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Now let's for a moment consider the design and ingenuity behind DNA. Anybody got any, uh, some familiarity with, with DNA? Okay, the amount of information found in, believe it or not, one pinhead, I'm talking a pinhead of volume of DNA, would fill a stack of books 500 times higher than from the earth to the moon. That's just in one pinhead of DNA. 
It's known, uh, it is known that, uh, that matter itself cannot give rise to, co to a code or information. DNA itself, because it must be formed by an intelligent source, literally cries out, in the beginning, God created. Think of it this way. Each one of us started as a single cell in our mother's womb. And encoded in that single cell was the instruction manual of how to build every single part of our body made up of over 100 trillion cells. Did you know that your body was made up of 100 trillion cells? So we can say that the, well, with the psalmist when he says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Another thing that I wanted to have a look at was God's beauty, love and care. Now, this can be seen in a number of different things in nature. Uh, the first one we want to have a look at is uh, uh, seeds and trees. Now, this little seed here, by the way, this is actually, believe it or not, a sequoia seed. It just fits in the palm of your hand. Okay, but this tiny little seed that fits in the palm of your hand can literally grow up to be one of these, the General Sherman. Now, the General Sherman tree is actually positioned in Sequoia National Park in the United States, and it, it literally stands 275 feet or 84 metres tall. It has a 102 foot or 31 metre circumference, and it weigh, it, it's, they've, they've estimated the weight to be an incredible 2.7 million pounds. And if you want to convert that to kilos, it's actually 1.2 million kilograms in one tree. And that's from that tiny little seed that you can hold in your hand. We see all this in the first chapter of Genesis where it says in verse 11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And of course this actually answers the age-old question. Who's ever heard the question, what came first, the chicken or the egg or the tree or the seed? Well, this clearly answers... Uh, because it's, it tells us very clearly in this verse that God created all plant life after its kind and its seed was in itself. What's interesting about this is nothing has changed since creation. Today, as down through the centuries, we don't see any evidence of an apple tree evolving into a pear tree, do we? No. And we certainly don't see any evidence of a sequoia, like this giant redwood, evolving into a gum tree. So, no, we certainly don't. There's also other evidence that points to the wisdom of God in creation, and it's to ask some questions for, about plants, for example, like these questions here. Who installed the ability to, to literally monitor temperature and, and humidity? Who determined the proper time for the seed to germinate? Who told the root that it must go down and the actual stem that it must go upward. It's clear that this is the guiding hand of our all-wise, all-loving Creator. And in Matthew chapter 6, verses 28 and 30, it's, uh, Jesus says, "'Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you?' Think for a moment. 
what this, would, what this world would be like without flowers. Could you imagine? Wouldn't be very nice. I mean, our wives would not very appreciate us coming home with something else other than flowers. You know? I mean, if you were to bring a brick home, do you think she'd be happy? No? Okay, well, the wonderful thing, of course, is that God has created flowers. He's designed such an amazing variety of flowers that, uh, you know, and these flowers are seen across the globe. And it's, uh, these flowers not only have beauty, but they have fragrance as well. We only have to take an example in the rose, the actual rose itself. Uh, look at the velvet texture of the petals and the amazing spectrum of colours, because there is. There's a tremendous spectrum of colours in the rose family. But oftentimes, one rose is sufficient to put a whole fragrance through a room, through a single room. Then there is the ability of the leaf to harness solar power. Long before man invented solar panels, God installed miniature solar panels in each plant. Now, it's interesting to note that the, 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 with these solar panels, when the plant expands, it's, they're programmed to face the sun to receive its energy. And this energy is what powers the plant's chemical factories. The result, carbon dioxide is absorbed, oxygen is released, and hydrogen is used to make sugars that provide food. And we see that, of course, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. The ingenious nature of God's design can be seen in this very clearly. Plants absorb man's waste gas and produce oxygen, which every creature needs for survival. Can you imagine if there were no plants? Wouldn't be, it would be a little bit difficult to have oxygen on this earth. Just another way in which creation reveals the invisible qualities and attributes of our loving creator. Now, there are other things on the earth, of course, that also cre uh, literally uh, demonstrate to us God, that the amazing God that we serve. Uh, things, again, like, uh, for example, the fish of the sea. It's interesting to note their streamlined efficiency. Who made them that way? Fish extract oxygen from the water. And fish have such pleasing aesthetic values, such as great quantities of food that they provide for mankind. In Matthew 26, we, uh, Matthew, sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, we read, Behold the fowls of the air. And that's the next one we want to talk about. Who's ever seen a, a bald eagle flying? Charles, of course, coming from America. Uh, I had the privilege while I was over there of seeing them as well. They are just such majestic creatures when you see them high above the earth soaring. And, of course, the one thing about birds is they also have a streamlined shape. Their colours and their beauty are quite incredible. The ability to fly with grace and ease. Who's ever seen a, an eagle or, or, an, a, a, or a bird like that? The condor is absolutely brilliant at, uh, at just simply circling on the, on the currents of air. Now, the interesting thing about birds are, too, that the bird's bones are lightweight and they're actually virtually hollow. Only birds were created without, with feathers. Each feather along the length of the wing has a slightly different size and shape that is coordinated with all the others. And a bird's lung oxygenates by both inhaling and exhaling, thus making a constant flow of oxygen while it's actually flying. The bird's ability to navigate over incredibly long distances is also a testament to God's creative power. 
Canada geese, for example, can actually navigate and fly up to 1,500 miles. That's 2,400 kilometres in a single day. Pretty amazing. And these are beautiful examples, as I said, of God's creation. So there's an awful lot of other examples that I would have loved to have shared with you, but because we don't have a lot of time, uh, I, I haven't got time to do that. But we can examine the, when we examine the evidence and we see the various things that have been created, it is clear from God's word and the evidence of creation itself that there is a creator that made all things. What we have to remember in all of this, though, is that even though all of creation reflects the aspects of God's character, only man was created in God's image. And that's what we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. And it says this, And God said, Let, man, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female, he created them. Now, there's a few interesting things about man. For example, in their physical characteristics, the man's, uh, man's brain, when I'm talking about man, by the way, I'm talking about man and woman, uh, his brain is a masterpiece of complexity. The human eye, for example, is an extension of the brain and moves about 100,000 times each day. And with automatic focusing, it can literally handle 1.5 million simultaneous messages. What's especially unique about man, though, is the, distinct, the distinction that we have from other creation and the fact that we, are a spiritual, we have a spiritual nature. Man, for example, as part of his spiritual nature, has a free will. Now, we know that salvation is God's work. Yet at the same time, our motives, our desires and actions are voluntary and we are rightly held responsible for them. Man has a conscience. Man has emotion. Only mankind has produced great scientists, composers, prophets and poets. You certainly don't see that happening in the chimpanzee world or any of the other animal uh, kingdom um, animals. In essence, man has been created unique from the rest of creation. How do we know that? Because we know that man is the only creature that has been created with a body, a soul and a spirit. We are a tripartite being as distinct from the other animals which are only a bipartite being, meaning two. From all this, we can see that creation itself literally cries out that God is the all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving and all-caring God. But I tell you what, just before I finish tonight, there's something I really want to share with you. And you may, you may or may not have seen this, uh, but I tell you what, when I first saw what I'm about to show you, it literally blew me away, absolutely blew me away. And it testifies to God's love, grace and mercy and to the fact that God is the one that is totally in control. And aside from our DNA, which is the blueprint of all life, 
God has placed inside of every single living body a molecule that does exactly what Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says when it says this. It says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. But the absolutely amazing thing about this molecule, which, by the way, without it, our bodies would literally disintegrate. Hard to imagine. But without this, this molecule in place, our bodies would disintegrate. And the other thing that's most incredible about it is its shape. What molecule am I talking about? I'm talking about this one, the laminin protein molecule. Who's heard of the laminin protein molecule? Couple? Okay, well, the laminin protein molecule is actually the molecule that is inside every living being that has ever been created, and that particular molecule is literally the glue that holds your body and your atoms together. Without it, you would literally disintegrate. Your body would literally fall apart. It's absolutely incredible. But what's more incredible, have a look at the shape. What shape is it? It's the shape of a cross. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when you actually look at this particular molecule under a... And that's not just simply a drawing, because when you look at this molecule under the electron microscope, that's it. It's the shape of a cross. And what is the shape of the cross? It's actually another testimony to the love and grace of our Creator God and that He has literally placed inside of every single one of us a molecule that is the very shape of the cross on which His only one and only Son died to pay the penalty for our sins. And this molecule, as I said, is the glue that literally holds our body together. So, as I said, to finish off tonight, once again, showing that God is truly a God of wonders. Would we have to agree with that? Is that good news? Is that better than what you read on Google or, or any other uh, place at the moment talking about things like COVID? So, as we go to prayer tonight, let's just remember who God is. He is a God of wonders. He is the God of all creation. He has got a purpose for every single one of us on the face of this earth. And that purpose is to tell others about him and to tell others about Christ. So let's just uh, go to prayer tonight with joy. And uh, so if the guys are, are, are ready, if I can get a couple of young guys to maybe help hand out the uh, prayer bulletins. Oh, sorry, a couple of young girls. <laughs> to hand out the prayer bulletins. Uh, that would be lovely. So we do have